Many people say they know Jesus, but all too often they know about him, but they don't truly know him. For this reason, Dr. David Jeremiah wrote The Jesus You May Not Know, which provides insight about his eternal nature and role on earth and in heaven. This book is yours with a gift of any amount to Turning Point. And for donations of $75 or more, you'll receive the book, He Is Bookmark, Study Guide, and CD or DVD album. Go to davidjeremiah.ca. When a Christian leader's sin is made public, the world reacts to the tragic fallout. But in reality, the failure took place in that person's life long beforehand. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers how this painful truth plays out in one of the darkest chapters in the life of King David. From his series, The Tender Warrior, here's Dr. Jeremiah to introduce today's message, David and Bathsheba. You know, friends, uh, the treachery of what is happening to David is one that is repeated many, many times in the lives of people you and I know. And it's usually the result of several of Satan's biggest lies. Number one, that it could never happen to you, uh, that other people do these things, but you would never do that. And the Bible says, you know, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Uh, very important lesson. And then when it happens, uh, Satan comes along and says, you can never recover from this. Uh, David uh, shoots that one in the foot too, doesn't he? He, he destroys that idea. I think the one that really is most interesting to me is that people think they can do things like this and never get caught. And the Bible says, make sure your sin will find you out. And it always finds you out. I can hardly uh, tell you uh, any stories that don't have that kind of an ending. It has a way of unraveling and catching you in, in the act. What you don't know is that God is involved in making sure you don't get away with it, because if you get away with it, it'll ruin your life for good. So here is the story of David, David and Bathsheba. This is part one. Uh, we'll get to it in just a moment. But first, let me tell you about a resource for the month of July. It's a book called The God Shot. And it's, it's a really cool book about the attributes of God. And it's given to you in, in kind of little small chapter sizes. The God Shot explores powerful sections from each book in the New Testament one day at a time. And by reading the passage in context, you can see the meaning of each individual verse in ways you never thought before. Uh, this is a, a wonderful book, and it's something that I think you will enjoy something that will increase your knowledge of the Word of God. Tara Lee Cobble is the creator and host of a daily Bible recap podcast, and she's added this blessing for all of us, the God Shot, yours for the asking when you send a gift in July. Okay, let's get to our story. I know you've been waiting on this. Here's David and Bathsheba. The Bible has clearly set forth before us the lives of people who lived in another generation who were in their time more famous and well-known than the people we have watched in trouble. And the Bible has told the whole story. The Bible doesn't leave anything out. And God's Word paints a man as he really is, and I'm glad for that. If all we had were the success stories of the Bible people, we would all be so discouraged about our own lives, we'd want to just quit. I'm not saying that we should take great hope in others' failures. I am simply saying that the Bible tells the truth about men as they are. You revel in the book of Genesis at the great faith of a man named Noah. 
who preached righteousness for 120 years and built an ark when nobody had ever seen rain. And he was God's person. But as soon as the flood is over, you can't read very far before you read about his drunkenness and his nakedness and his disobedience to God. And then you go on and read about Abraham and discover what a man of faith he was. He went out of his own land and looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. He had the faith to take his own son Isaac to Mount Moriah and there to offer him as a sacrifice to God. And yet that same record records Abraham's cowardice when he goes into the land of Egypt and how he lied about his wife. And on two occasions set her up to commit adultery with a foreign king. And you wonder... What is wrong with that man? And you go to the New Testament and you have the record of the great courage and faith of Peter, but you also have the record of his failures. And you can go through the scripture and you will find that there is a consistent record, not only of the good things that God's people have done, but also of their failures. Someone has said that when you look at the life of David, 1 Samuel seems to be the record of his way up and 2 Samuel seems to be the record of his way down. In 1 Samuel, he conquers the giant. In 2 Samuel, he's conquered by a woman, by his own lust, by his own desire. So what we have before us is the record of the demise of one man of God, and it's a message that's filled with pain, and it's the kind of message that most preachers wish they didn't have to preach, and you'd like to come to this chapter and cough and go on. But you can't. It's here, and God put it here for our warning. And I want you to notice that there are three sections of this particular event in David's life. First of all, there is the failure. And secondly, there's the fall. And thirdly, there's the fallout. <laughs> and I want you to note that before the fall comes, the failure has already taken place. Sometimes when we hear of someone who has committed some act of wickedness, we say that on such and such a day, they did such and such a thing, and that was the day of their failure. But if we could see behind all of it, we would know that the failure happened long before the event itself. And that is true also in the heart of David. His sin with Bathsheba really was cultivated in his own heart long before that night when as a 50-year-old man he took a stroll on his balcony and saw a beautiful woman. It began, I believe, in the story itself when David ignored his duty. He ignored his duty. If you read the first verse of the 11th chapter, it's very clear that all of the people had gone to war and David had sent his general Joab out to lead the troops. And all of the servants and all of Israel had gone. But read the last phrase. But David tarried still at Jerusalem. The first thing that David did that set him up for his grievous sin was he wasn't doing what he ought to have been doing when he should have been doing it. Had David been out there with the army as he had always been in the past, leading the troops giving them the courage and direction and leadership, he never would have been there that night when the walk took place and when he was enticed into sin. And the scripture says 
that David was accustomed to leading his people. If you go back in the 10th chapter to the 17th verse, you will see that in verse 17, David gathered all Israel together, passed over the Jordan, came to Helam, and the Syrians set themselves in array against David, and they fought with him. David was so uh, a part of the fighting people of the nation that when they fought Israel, they fought David. That was the way he was perceived. But now David isn't there. He stayed home. And the text says that after the year was expired, at the time when the kings go forth to battle, most scholars believe that that is a reference to the fact that during the cold winter months, the battle had ceased and the armies had gone home. And for all these months in the wintertime, the armies of Israel had been resting. And uh, most of them, as fighting men normally do, were looking forward to the return of the good weather so they could get back out and fight the battles of their king and of their lord. And finally, when winter broke and spring came and the time for kings to go to battle came again, all of the people went with the exception of David and he stayed home. Men and women, it is never an insignificant thing to forsake our posts of duty. You cannot expect God's protection when you get out of the path of his will. When you are not doing what you ought to be doing in the first place, you have already set yourself up for some greater fall, for some greater evil. The Bible says, I being in the way, the Lord led me. When we step out of the way, we don't have the Lord's direction and leadership any longer. David was out of the will of God to start with. He put himself in a compromising position when on that day at the end of the long winter, he ignored his duty. He took off his armor, you see, and that's not only a physical term, but a spiritual one as well. He was uncovered and unprotected, and the moment came. But I'd like to suggest to you, secondly, that he not only ignored his duty, but he indulged his desire. In the book of Deuteronomy and in the 17th chapter, verses 16 and 17, we are told that there were three things that the kings of Israel were not to do. Now, I'm going to read that passage for you, and I don't want you to turn to it. You just listen to it, and you pick out the three things they're not to do. He shall not multiply horses to himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt, to the end that he should multiply horses. For as much as the Lord hath said unto you, you shall henceforth return no more that way. Neither shall he multiply wives to himself, that his heart turn not away. Neither shall he greatly multiply to himself silver and gold. God said that when the kings came to rule over Israel, they were not to multiply horses because that would give them temptation to go back into Egypt. They were not to multiply wives for the wives would turn their hearts away from God. And thirdly, they were not to multiply to themselves silver and gold. Now, David complied with two out of three of those requirements. There is a passage that talks about him diminishing the number of horses that he owned. There is a passage that talks about him bringing of all of his gold and silver and giving it to the project to build the temple. But the third thing, the multiplication of wives to himself, David would not obey. In fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to the fifth chapter of 2 Samuel and notice in the 13th verse how carefully the record is kept concerning David's multiplication of wives and concubines to himself. And David took him more concubines and wives out of Jerusalem 
after he was come from Hebron, and there were yet sons and daughters born to David. The history of David is simply this, that even though he was uh, commanded by the Lord not to multiply wives and concubines unto himself, that he literally presided over a harem. He had women everywhere who were a part of his family. Any woman that he wanted in that harem was his at any moment's notice. He had indulged his desire. Now, please hear me. The moment on the balcony when David saw Bathsheba was not a moment in isolation from the indulgence of his previous years. There is an idea about among humanist thinkers today that the way you deal with sexual appetite is to feed it. And they say that if you feed sexual appetite that it will be satisfied and therefore it will go away. But the truth of the matter is that when you do what David did and multiply wives and concubines, the appetite does not get less, it gets greater. That kind of sexual appetite is insatiable. It can never be satisfied. And the more David got from the women that he had around him, the more that he wanted, and those women were no longer enough. And so it was simply a matter of his continuing to indulge his own desire when on that night he looked upon a beautiful woman. Why shouldn't he have her? He could have anyone he wanted. And he had fed his appetite with this sexual uh, hunger that was his over these years for some 20 years now. Sin is never satisfied. It's nature's way to drag us lower and lower. It gets more and more daring in its opposition to God. And so David was set up that night, but he had set himself up. He was away from his post of duty, and he was about to reap the long years of indulgence of sexual desire. I need to stop here just long enough to say to all of us, and I preach to myself as well as to all of the other men who are here, we are playing with disaster. It is like loading bullets into a gun and rotating the chambers when we fill our minds with that which simply causes us to have greater and greater sexual appetite than what we had before. There is so much available today in our time through the videos and the television channels and the movies and the pornographic literature and the nude photos in all of the magazines on the rack. There is so much that a man can do to continue to feed that desire. And there is this attitude that, well, if I do it that way, it will just go away. And all it does is increase the hunger, increase the appetite, and it sets you up for one night. When you pull the trigger on that chamber, the bullet will be there. And the moment of your fall is inevitable. You see, we say that when David sinned with Bathsheba, that was his failure. No, his failure was back here. His failure was back here in the preparation stage. And it was simply the cause and result cycle that took place that night on the rooftop when he looked at that woman and lusted after her. Now, that is the failure. Let me talk with you for a moment about the fall. The scripture says that the fall took place through a number of things that transpired. First of all, David initiated the deed. Verse 2 says, 
that it came to pass at eventide that David arose from his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house, and from the roof he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Apparently David went to bed that night planning to stay in bed the whole night and sleep, and maybe he was laying there thinking about the war and wondering what was happening on the home front, maybe remembering some of the enjoyment that he had earlier that day, and Sleep wouldn't come, and so he decided that he would get up and and go out for a walk, as it was his custom to do, apparently. And in his palace, which was above all of the other buildings in Jerusalem, there was a beautiful palace walkway around the outside of his home. And he went out that night to walk upon the rooftop. And as he did, as he walked upon the rooftop, he saw a woman. And the Bible says that that triggered the response that took David all that way away from God. Now, someone might ask, what in the world was Bathsheba doing taking a bath outdoors at night? But you have to understand that in that particular city, the only building that would have been above the other buildings was the palace itself. I want to give Bathsheba the benefit of the doubt because the word of God does. There is not one word in all of the scripture concerning this event that in any way implicates Bathsheba in this event. She was innocently doing what she had perhaps normally done with the walls up around her house and in her courtyard out in the outside, perhaps very late at night, taking a bath. And David saw her. And he coveted her. And he wanted her. When Nathan finally confronts David about his sin in the 12th chapter, he views this experience in a very interesting way. He tells David a parable, and in the fourth verse of the 12th chapter, in the midst of the parable, he visits David's mind with this image. And there came a traveler unto the rich man, and he spared to take of his own flock and of his own herd to dress for the warfaring man that was come unto him. But he took the poor man's lamb and dressed it for the man that was to come to him. Nathan said he envisions David's temptation like this, that he's out there on the roof of his palace and a traveler comes. And the traveler was in the form of a thought, in the form of a temptation. And the traveler comes and Nathan says he could have met the needs of the traveler in one of two ways. He could have gone to his own flock And he had many in his flock. He had hundreds of women from whom he could have chosen that in his own right belonged to him. But instead of taking one of his own women, he stole the little lamb, which was the only lamb that that man owned. And he took that lamb instead. That's how Nathan pictured what David did. But notice the thought was the traveler. The traveler came and David welcomed the traveler into his life. The second thing that he did was not only did he initiate the deed, but he ignored the question of his servant. I personally believe that in every temptation, there are always a number of ways out if we will just heed them. In fact, the Bible says it that way. There's no temptation that hath taken a man, but such as is common. And God is faithful, who will not suffer us to be tempted above that we are able, but also will, with the temptation, make a way to escape that we might be able to bear up under it. Now, what is the way of escape? In every temptation, there's a way out, if we will just heed it. When David saw the woman and wanted her, He called one of his servants and he said, go get her for me. Now, I want you to notice what the servant said to David. Verse 3, 
And the servant said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Wait a minute, David, I'll go get her, but don't you know she's a married woman? (laughs) She's got a husband? You want me to go get her for you when she's already married to somebody else? And right then, in his mind, David should have thought, Huh. Should have brought him up short. This is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this. Thank you for reminding me. I can't believe what I was about to do. But David was already caught up in the passion of the moment, and he didn't even respond to his servant's warning. He ignored him. And the result was he implicated Bathsheba in a terrible sin. Verse 4 sums it up very succinctly. David sent messengers, took her. She came in unto him, and he lay with her. I've underlined in my Bibles the three verbs that go along with David's action. You can see them there. Verse 2, he saw. Verse 3, he sent. And verse 4, he lay. He saw her, he sent for her, and he lay with her. Just three very simple statements about what happened in a very brief period of time in this man's life, but it was about to change the entire course of his existence. One moment of pleasure and the rest of his life was never the same. And Bathsheba was implicated, as I mentioned already. There is no evidence that she was a part of this or in any way had tried to entice David. There is no evidence that she was forced or raped, but there is no evidence that she did anything to encourage it, but she was a subject of the king and she was helpless before the power of this man. And now she is implicated God holds David fully responsible for what happened. Well, as is always true, when there is a fall, there is a fallout. And David has now sinned. Maybe no one will know. Maybe he's going to get by with it. Maybe this is the one time when he has broken the rules and he will not get caught. Everybody who does it believes with all of their heart that they can be the first one to make it happen and not pay the penalty. But according to the fifth verse, David is not going to get off that easy. For the scripture says that the woman conceived that night and she sent a servant to tell David that she was pregnant. Those words, I am pregnant, can be either the happiest words in the whole world or the most devastating words you ever heard in your life. Isn't that interesting? I remember when Donna told me that she was pregnant with our first child, we jumped and danced around and and we were so excited. We had been married for a number of years and no children. When we found out we were going to have a baby, it was the most exciting thing in the world. But some of you have heard those words from a daughter who is unmarried or from a friend who is unmarried and you know that the very words that can bring excitement and joy in the context of God's will can be the most devastating words you ever heard in your life and that day when David heard that Bathsheba's was child he was devastated you see the Hebrew law required that anyone who was caught in adultery should be stoned and while it was very improbable that that could ever have happened to the king David knew if word got out about his liaison with Bathsheba that it would discredit him before all of his people and David was very proud of his own reputation he was loved by the people and he wanted to keep it that way so David now has a major problem he's at a crossroads 
And let me say to you that whenever we find ourselves in a situation like this, there will always be a point in time where we make a major decision after the fact as to how we are going to handle it. David has two choices, confess or cover up. Hmm. And we know what he did. And we'll hear more about that tomorrow here on Turning Point. This is the story of David. We're in 2 Samuel 11 and the story of David and Bathsheba. I'm pretty sure you'll join me tomorrow for the rest of this story. Friday, we're going to talk about the scar tissue of sin. What happened to David because of what he did? You can get all this information on CD, and there's a wonderful study guide set that goes with the life of David. The series is called The Tender Warrior, and you can go to our website and inquire about the study guides and the CD albums that give you all of the teaching on the life of David. For your own review and for you to share with other people in small groups or individual Bible discussions you have with friends, it's just a great way to study the Word of God, and we've created these resources just for you. I hope you'll take advantage of them. Don't forget our tour to Israel, March the 12th through the 22nd. Still room for you to come and be with us. We're going to have a great time seeing the Holy Land, and um, it will be a wonderful experience. I hope you haven't taken it off your list. Make sure you consider doing this. You never know how long Israel will be open to tourism. We always wonder that. It's open now, and it's very safe. And you can come and be with us as we tour these special places. davidjeremiah.org slash events. That's where you go. And uh, we'll see you right here tomorrow. Thanks for listening. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The Tender Warrior, please visit our website where you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected. Our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of The God Shot, a devotional focused on God's character by teacher and podcast host Tara Lee Cobble. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James versions, available in a variety of attractive cover options. Get all the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Tender Warrior, on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com slash Bible. 
Some critics of Bible-believing Christians have said that our belief in the second coming of Christ makes us unconcerned about the present day. That should never be true of any follower of Christ. It's true, Jesus Christ is going to return. But it is also true that Christ has sent His church into the world with a daily responsibility to be salt and light. So we have both a present and future focus. I like what one person said. We should work as if the second coming is 10 years off and live as though he might appear in the next 10 seconds. This is David Jeremiah encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's plan for the second coming on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com and get your roadmap for life. That's Route66life.com. Route 66, start your journey home today.